The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. Welcome to the show to all of my listeners. Thank you so much for your great support. I mean it. You and I are making a difference in America and throughout the world for people with disabilities. So I certainly can't do it without you. Thank you so much. And today I'm really excited because you all know that I have in the past spoken about Miss Debbie Scott, who I think is one of the greatest teachers in America. I just love this woman. Um, And I was teaching high school students with disabilities when she told me, Joyce, Joyce, you've got to talk to Dr. Buzz Mingan. He is awesome. You've got to get him on your radio show. And Dr. Buzz is a well-known author, speaker, educational and behavioral consultant, motivational coach, and I can't leave this out, karate expert, martial arts expert. As you can see, he does it all, and we are so excited to have him as our guest today. Dr. Buzz, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce, and I appreciate you having me on the show. It is our honor to have you because we love people like you who are out there every day trying to make a difference. That's absolutely right. Can you start by beginning to tell us how the heck did you get involved in the educational area? Well, you know, it's interesting because I never saw myself as uh, becoming a teacher, and my, my initial aspiration was to become a pro football player. And once I got to college, I had a tumultuous first year. It was a struggle. Uh, I went from being a straight-A student in high school, which required a lot of effort and support my parents, to going to a four-year university, which was rather small, and struggling terribly, I mean terribly academically, uh, to the point where I was on probation and... and uh, You were? Yeah. Okay, all you high school students with disabilities, listen, here's this author, here's this expert, remember what he's saying right now, it wasn't easy at the beginning, go ahead. Yes, yeah, as a matter of fact, Dr. Uh, Dean Jackson, who was the Dean of Students there, um, you used to uh, say that I was on, as an inside joke, quadruple secret probation because <laughs> I could just never seem to get myself back on my feet in my first year there. I mean, really struggling academically, not responding well to the lack of structure at college, um, always in the wrong place at the wrong time, not necessarily a behavioral problem, but always seemed to be somewhere where I shouldn't have been, where I should have probably been studying or something of that nature. And ultimately, I wasn't an advocate for myself, so I'm struggling with all these problems and not telling anybody, uh, which certainly uh, had a major impact on my lack of success in my first year. But, you know, Joyce, just, just like, you know, how you and I function every day, being the advocate, being a liaison, trying to be that coach, reaching as many people as we can, there was a, uh, an amazing man who I st- still have a close relationship with named Dr. Frank Faris who is a clinical psychologist, and uh, his mentor was, is, uh, is and was Dr. Arnie Lazarus, who's an internationally known clinical psychologist and author. 
And this man, who is a college professor in my uh, psychology class, not only inspired me in the direction of behavioral development, behavior management, psychology, social work, but also felt uh, just by having me in his classroom that I was most likely struggling with an unidentified, untreated uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And uh, it kind of reminded me of the movie Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, many people have seen that. He had this smart guy who was just lost and walked around with a lot of frustration. And uh, this man, I mean, really found some really cool ways. And, and we're talking about non-traditional tactics on, in reaching me as a student who was on his way out of school, ready to get bumped out because of academic failure, but, you know, inspired me by teaching me very specific coping tools on how to get better. And, you know, and I think that, you know, when people find that special person, they, they kind of, you know, identify and they attach to that person. And, and he was uh, really a pivotal point in my life because I went from being the anxious, depressed, frustrated academic failure um, to, you know, graduating with honors. And, um, you know, once I got connected with Dr. Faris, we had a barter system where he was helping me uh, learn how to manage these inadequacies that I was experiencing. And simultaneously, um, you know, he was helping me develop a, a kind of a service or a business, working with some students that he w- uh, had been treating who had similar illnesses, but teaching them uh, academic study skills and things of that nature. And and it's amazing that I could be failing college at 18 years old because I wasn't organized, but yet could teach third and fourth graders how to be organized with their work. And uh, and just like in martial arts or teaching football, badminton, whatever, you know, by teaching it, you become better at it. And once I started getting a knack for these tools and then felt the appreciation from the, the student population I was servicing, I mean, the rest was just has been an amazing uh, roller coaster ride of fun because no matter how up and down the business is as far as stress or excitement, the enjoyment of making a difference with the students that I interact with on a daily basis is just beyond fulfilling. So, so my Joyce, my first, my first ambition was to get a degree. I mean, you know, I wanted to get good at this stuff. Um, you know, I couldn't be taught enough on how to understand children and adolescents with uh, varying, you know, developmental, neurological, or psychiatric problems. I just, I was eating it up. As a matter of fact, Joyce, I, I, um, it became enrolled in a five-year bachelor's, master's degree program, and it pretty much finished uh, after bombing my first year of college. I pretty much finished all the criteria for the bachelor's, master's. Um, um, by my fourth year of college, meaning that I was pretty much finished with what would be six years of education and three years because I didn't really gain many credits in my first year. So I, I wanted to take that information and I wanted to bottle it and uh, I wanted to pass you know that message on, and that's my mission statement, uh, to other students who are struggling academically. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you're, wait a minute, so you're telling me, if I understand this right, if that gentleman had not taken an interest in you, just as now today you, you've told thousands of students, but if that gentleman had not taken an interest in you, it is possible you could have fallen through the cracks. No question. 
As a matter of fact, I you know I come from a community, um, you know, a very low socioeconomic uh, class of, of of a culture that you know was um, really a blue collar environment. Which is there's certainly no problem with being blue collar, as many many of most of my family still are, but. Um, you know, going to college really is not a goal of many of the people that lived in my society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I grew up surrounded by mobile home parks and farm fields, and you know, having a hands-on job local. You know, if you got into a union, you were, you know, you hit the lottery. Uh, but to to push your child or coach them or inspire them to go to college, um, I would say, was not the general theme of the among the culture that I grew up with. And then, you know, the fact that I even made it to college was <laughs> surprising to many because, you know, that wasn't everyone's goal. And then to get there and to tank, I mean, literally, I had a 175 in my first semester. I'll never forget. I remember the letters coming home saying to my parents, your son is in dire straits, maybe not allowed back the following semester, and, and this this man comes around who really understood me, and I think the biggest thing that saved me, um, that kept me on track and, and really inspired me to want to be in college was that he was very validating to me. He never told me, well, you're not working hard enough, and he never said to me, you need to study more. I mean, he would say, I understand you're having a difficult time, and I have some ideas that may be able to support you, and then and, and, and that that type of compassion, that empathy, is empowering, as you know, Joyce. Because I mean, you're 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 great at this. I mean, you touch the lives of people just by having the right words and the right type of emotion that can connect with those who are needy. And <clears throat> then you took all of this, and now you're paying it forward. Correct. I mean, I I had to go a step further because I. I felt that, you know, I don't want to just sit in my office like I started off seeing, you know, one kid every hour. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There's a lot of great therapists and psychologists and social workers out there. But, you know, if I can only work 50 hours a week, I would only see 50 children. So, you know, my goal was to get bigger and stronger and and, and help more. So I started doing seminars and and then contracting with schools. And, you know, just today, I mean, I was in a number of schools. I probably touched the lives of a few hundred children and at least a couple dozen teachers. I mean, you know, much better than sitting in my office seeing three kids in the morning and three in the afternoon and feeling great about the six children I help, which is worthy. It just isn't my goal. My mission is to really assist and give what I know to those who are looking to become better. And, you know... One thing I think is really important that you talked about with your role model that helped you, it isn't just going to someone and saying, all right, you can do it, you know, you can do it. It's that somehow he made you believe that he cared cared about you and that he had credibility with you. Absolutely. You know, it's almost like he wrote my book before he knew me. You know, he would say, uh, without even really knowing anything about my personal life, I bet you're late for everything. I said, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I, I bet you are home at night wondering if you should get that homework done now and probably debating with yourself as to whether you should start it now or do it later. I'd say, every day. You know, he he really understood what it was that I was going through, whether he was suffering that himself or ever had that experience. But to be understood... It really develops a certain level of trust, and to not lecture 
and tell me everything that I'm doing wrong versus teach me what it is that I need to do is what empowered me to stick by his side. That is awesome. All right, let me before we go to break, let's do this. Uh, that gentleman's name again? Dr. Frank Farise, F-E-R-R-I-S-E, clinical psychologist. And he's based in New Jer- northern New Jersey, in Livingston, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, listen, he was one of the groomsmen in my wedding. I mean, you know, I love this guy. He deserves uh, every ounce of credit that, uh, that, that I have, you know, for any, any accomplishments that I am responsible for. He has certainly been a contributing factor to all those uh, accomplishments. All right, well, Dr. Frank, before we go to break, what I say to you, I always tell people, remember, a child, a teenager, or a young person is watching you, and if you make a difference, look what a difference Dr. Buzz has made. Good for you. Kudos to you. You are listening to Joyce Bender. And we have as our guest today, Dr. Buzz Mingan, author, speaker, leader for young people, educational and behavioral consultant, and guess what? Martial arts coach. And we'll be right back with him. This is Voice America, where disability matters every day. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice... What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. Hey, if you just joined us, you're going to love this show today because we've got Dr. Buzz Mengen, author, speaker, educational and behavioral consultant, And guess what else? Martial arts teacher and karate expert. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask him about that right now because I was so surprised. You know, 
I heard about Dr. Buzz from Miss Debbie Scott from the Delaware School District and about these unbel- all the unbelievable work he does with high school students who are disadvantaged or with disabilities and what a great motivational speaker he is. And so then, you know, I'm looking at his bio and his website and I see all this stuff about karate. I thought, wait a minute, what's that all about? So what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, Dr. Buzz, is if you could begin by telling our listeners because I know the answer to this one question, why you as a child decided to learn karate and then what it helped you with the most. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great question. It's probably the most often questioned asked by all of my wonderful karate students. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of resources where I grew up. Uh, you know, we had mini bikes and motorcycles and lots of woods and farm fields to ride around, and we never had... Uh, local karate you know, uh, agencies and YMCA's and things of that nature. But when I got to high school, I was bullied terribly um, in the most malicious of senses. Uh, you know, and I was always afraid to to tell my mom because my mom is a um, very protective, feisty uh, Italian woman who <laughs> has a lot of Italian culture in her. And I was always afraid that if she went to the school and made a big deal about this, the kids who were really bullying me, and it was a, it was a group of them, would probably take their anger out on me more. So I walked around holding these frustrated feelings in, and um, at one occasion I finally went to my father, who's a local uh, police officer, uh, chief of police, uh, to, my, uh, to the town that I grew up in, and uh, after speaking to him, we were trying to strategize on some ways with my going mind of not upsetting the bullies any more than they don't like me. And most of the reason why I was bullied, not only being small, I was 85 pounds, I was four foot eleven in my freshman year of high school, so that made me an easy target. I was always a hyperactive kind of guy, so you know everyone knew who I was because I made myself known and present. But then I was the police officer's son, and um, you know it, it just really made a situation for me where I was a constant bullseye for, for tough guys who didn't feel good about themselves. And then one day down the road, my mother had a friend who was a jiu-jitsu guy, and because I couldn't play high school football my first year because I was too small, and as the coach said to my parents, we don't even have equipment that would fit Buzz, so they... My parents enrolled me back into the Pop Warner football as a high school student. If you can imagine that, Joyce, can you imagine we have, I went to a high school where we have uh, three or four professional NFL players. One is in the Hall of Fame, the, probably the most beautiful football field you've ever seen, a packed stadium every game. And my dad is picking me up in his unmarked police car to take me to the local Pop Warner practice. Uh, and it's, it kind of wears and tears on your, your confidence. <laughs> And your feelings, but in, in throughout all that, you know, I my mother came up with this idea that um, hey, this this guy would like to teach you jujitsu, and I never heard of it. Uh, he showed me a couple things, and um, what I ended up doing my freshman year of high school, I couldn't play football as I uh, I wrestled, and I'd never done that before. And ultimately, I was using a lot of my karate techniques in the wrestling matches, and I I think I only lost one match that year. I was near undefeated. And um, it really boosted my confidence. And um, I promised myself, after kind of moving about through the martial arts society, I went from jiu-jitsu and I was doing a little judo, and then I was doing the Korean martial arts, and I was never really 
sticking to anything. Part of being ADHD is start stuff and you stop and you try something else. Um, you know, being a martial artist, the one thing that we know is you have to stick to it and you have to practice and you have to be consistent. But the neat thing, Joyce, about my karate experience is is that the bullies laid off. I, karate made me a better athlete. It made me a little bit more spiritual. It boosted my confidence. It actually taught me how to not react to people. And I think ultimately, uh, and I'm sure you work off this concept a lot, and I'm sure the listeners uh, try to do the same thing, it really taught me how to stick to my goals. You know, if I'm walking from uh, art class to English class, and the bullies usually beat me up in between, uh, if my goal is to simply get from, you know, art to English or English to science or what have you, there's got to be another way to get there without these guys touching me. So I arranged a system with the high school where I could leave class early and I would be at the door of the next class ahead of time. And ultimately the bullies got caught. They, I, we plotted a strategy with the principal where he hid in a closet or something like that in the hallway and where the guys would usually rough me up. You know, he was able to catch them so they got caught. It's not that I told on them. And uh, and then I continued um, with my martial art experience thereafter. That is an unbelievable story. Now, what I want to ask you here, okay, about, the, as you probably know, children with disabilities are really, really bullied. Right. A lot. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I knew the reason you did this. So I was prepared for you with this question from a mother right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for you. And here it is. Dr. Buzz Mengen, thank you so much for being on the show. My question for you is, what do you do if you have a child with a disability and you believe they are being bullied, but they are afraid to tell you? Mm, that's, that's a perfect question. <laughs> The perfect question. I, I would tell you that whoever is, you know, closely connected to the child, who the child can trust. You know, for me, it was Dr. Faris. Uh In high school, it was Mr. Bud, my English teacher. Um, there has to be somebody that the child can confide in or to, and 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 we have to create a sense of understanding to the child that we are not going to, as adults, react to the situation. We are looking to respond. You know, parents who are extremely passionate about their children, and, and as you know, Joyce, parents with children with disabilities tend to be extremely passionate, um, and, and, and often their, their emotions become, can become unraveled because they're not there all the time to protect their children, and they often overreact. And I think that's a child's fear. If I tell my parent, I mean, this is not going to be good. I mean, the, the consequences could be more significant. Or... Maybe I'm doing something wrong. I don't want to get in trouble and have my mom or my dad say, well, why would you look at him funny? Or why would you walk down that hallway? Or why would you interrupt his conversation? So sometimes, you know, I know for me, and I'm sure with this child, I call it buying time. You know, you just hope, you know, today's going to be a different day. I'll wake up, I'll go to school, and I'll hope that miraculously things are going to change. And, uh, you know, and that's not always the case. We hear these stories all the time about kids being bullied. And we are marked targets, you know, as, as disabled people. I mean, it's very easy to find flaw with somebody who has a weakness. And, um, and often those people become overreactive as well. You know, an ADHD kid who's picked on will probably overreact more so than a non-ADHD 
child. So, you know, for parents who are listening, you know, this child has to have experienced other situations with you where you haven't overreacted. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the trust factor. That my parent responds to situations, they don't react or overreact. And I think number two is my parent is not going to lecture me about what it is that I could have done or I should be doing. They're going to listen. I think parents need to be good listeners. These children have very odd perceptions about what's going on, and often they don't make sense. They're very distorted perceptions, but their perceptions are real to them, and you can't tell a disabled child that that's not what happened. We, we have to make that child feel that if that's what happened in your eyes, then let's come up with a way in the way you think that we can handle this with my advice. And I'm hoping this parent is doing this. I mean, that, that, that certainly is step number one, Joyce, and I'm sure you, you know, certainly agree that that relationship, that understanding, that trust, and that type of communication is the first step. Absolutely it is. I mean, and you know what? It is terrible. I was just talking to a college student today, and she told me, you know, people don't realize what it's like to be bullied, that when I was in school, every day when I went home, I was crying. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it can be tough to see. That's why I like that point you made about also get to know people that your child is close to, because this could be a way to find out. Yeah. And I like the other point you made. Don't overreact. Remember why you didn't tell your mother. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Yeah, and I know why I wouldn't tell them. I wouldn't have told I, my mother's eighty three years old, I, and I know I wouldn't have told her because I'd be afraid she'd go to school and who knows create chaos. Right. Well, I also came from an Italian family. Oh, so you know you know the drill, Joyce. I know, but what happened to those kids? Be yeah, just... They would they would have got whooped up with that 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 spoon <laughs> like it was a samurai sword. Yeah, so right. I mean. <laughs> So, I, but you know, if you think that, then you won't tell. Yeah. See, you know, you, you know, often even people have been abused. I mean, they they don't tell people. They become they stay as they uh, consistently become victims of abuse because they feel ashamed or they feel that they were guilty of something and they don't want to be lectured. So they hope miraculously one day things are going to change. And it's a shame because we become more and more emotionally disabled. You know, disabled as 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 long as we don't tell somebody, and that and that that is a concerning systemic problem throughout every school and 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 many families' experiences. Many, I know many. Well, now you have someone, another person that you can get in touch with, read his book, know more about, and that's Doctor Buzz Mengen. Because hey, we need you need. All the help you can get. So now you've learned about another thing you can do, having your child get involved with karate. And do you teach this now, Dr. Buzz? Do you teach karate? I certainly do, and I don't hire people to teach the karate programs for me. I do it, I do it all myself, and uh, it's a very special part of my life. I have my one, my, my own, I have two boys. My one son is in it. The other one is more cerebral and would rather not do sports, which is fine. Um, but it's a passion that I have. It's a culture that I believe in, and it has um, all the coping mechanisms I need to survive in a non-threatening fashion. And it's a great self-esteem builder for me. It's, it's done wonders uh, for the way I feel about myself, and I recommend it to most. Well, you heard him. We'll talk about this and other exciting things 
This man does so much, it's unbelievable. We'll talk to him more as soon as we come back. This is Joyce Bender talking to Dr. Buzz Mengen at voiceamerica.com on Disability Matters. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Buzz. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. (laughs) Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. We are with Dr. Buzz Mingan. And can I tell you something about this man? Here's what I have to say about him. He is the real deal. Okay. He not only has experienced disability himself, he has experienced bullying himself. But even his family, we were talking at break. Dr. Buzz, tell them what happened to your father. Yeah, I mean, Joyce, Joyce asked me, uh, you know, a question about, you know, my sister. Uh, I, have, I have one sibling, and she's absolutely wonderful, and I think the world of her, we've always been extremely close. She's nine years younger, so she's 31 years old, and she is diagnosed and treated for bipolar with schizoaffective disorder, which really didn't manifest itself until she was a young adult at college. And for people who are listening, you know, psychiatric disorders often manifest themselves between the ages of 18 to 22. And, um, and that's where I hit the wall. That's where my sister hit the wall. We've had relatives, you know, with the same genes hit the wall at the same time. But what I was explaining to Joyce is that, you know, she, she my sister, her name is Jade. Jade went through, you know, some bullying issues herself at school and, um, you know, and they were dealt with. And I started training her in the martial arts to make her bigger and stronger and better. Um, but, you know, having 
experience bullying, I mean, the worst experience I had was not even being picked on um, by, you know, high school students when I was the smallest kid in a high school of 1,200 students, but was when I was uh, four years old, uh, my father had arrested a man uh, in my hometown who was, I think he was strung out on drugs or something, or he was drug trafficking, and his uh, couple of buddies came down to bully my father uh, at the police station and, 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 and physically convinced my father to let the, um, the suspect out of jail or the holding cell or what have you. And ultimately what ended, what turned out of that situation was my father was uh, shot execution style uh, in the police station, uh, the first attempt, uh, why he was an excuse, that was with his own gun, and fortunately the gun misfired as they were. The attempt was to kill him, and then they uh, used an, another gun that belonged to a different officer, and, and he you know, suffered uh, two bullets, and they were able to remove one, and the other one is still lodged in a bone in his body. It's either his pelvis or his vertebrae. I'm not quite sure, but and luckily he survived that. Um, and then years later, when my sister was in eighth grade, her boyfriend, they were supposed to be out on a date one night, and I ended up taking her out instead, and she, uh, her boyfriend was shot and, uh, and killed. Uh, I'm not quite sure of all the circumstances. It was kind of a, you know, an ambiguous story, but, you know, any, it was just another, you know, it was another bad experience. I mean, it's, it's hard to have faith when you're constantly getting beat down. It's tough enough when you have a disability and things don't come easy and you're having you're struggling to pay attention and not be worried about everything and then you have these tragedies and crises and uh it can either make or break a family. Fortunately for my family, my parents divorced, which is extremely upsetting. It was a major setback for me when I was in seventh grade and ultimately divorced when I was a senior in high school. But you know the family stayed clo- closely communicate uh communicative simply for the fact that their children needed to be maintained and supported. And I give them a tremendous amount of credit for that. My mother is my sister's, sister's biggest advocate, and she has dedicated her life to being uh, a, a big supporter for her, which has really saved my sister's life. Uh, and then, the, the, you know, in the crises, Joyce, we, we, we learn from them. <laughs> you know, each time we get stronger, we develop thicker skin, and we keep asking for help. And, um, and I certainly tell my story to everybody. I have nothing to hide. Um, you know, and you know, and the support I get is wonderful. People appreciate me. I appreciate them, and uh, and then that's why I'm willing to offer anything to anybody who needs help. Yeah, and see, this is what I mean. though, when I say you're the real deal, you know, this is someone been there, done that, understands, knows. So really, you can reach out to people with disabilities, high school kids with disabilities, high school kids in poverty, high school kids that have a violent. Uh, area they live in, no matter what it is, you really have gone through it, you know, and, and you've, obviously, you're helping people so much, I think it's just fantastic. I have to ask you, what do you attribute that to? I, I think I'm, and, and I'm not trying to sound cognitive, I just think that God gave me a gift to, to understand the uh, wellness of, of children and adolescents. I mean, I certainly, uh, you know, I guide a number of adults. I used to have, I used to, you know, work with a tremendous amount of adults, but I, my, my game plan shifted about 10 years ago, um, when my wife and I sat down one day and we talked about my future and I said, you know, if I could fix these kids when they're young, they wouldn't be as disabled as adults. So I put all my energy into children and adolescents since, since, but, I think, you know, God, he didn't give me height, he didn't give me, you know, brilliance, and he certainly, um, 
you know, I didn't go to Harvard. He certainly didn't give me an unblemished future, but the one thing he gave me was a strong, intuitive understanding of how children function. And, and when things are not comprehensively organized for them, whether it's they're born with a bad gene or they have, you know, ineffective parenting in the home or they're, you know, low socioeconomic status or something, I mean, I have a knack for just appreciating you know, everything that they do have and what they need and and coming up with kind of nifty ideas to uh, shape things around them in order to improve their welfare. And uh, and I'm grateful for that, Julie. I mean, it's my father being shot uh, is a terrible thing, and it is a tragedy. I think about it all the time. And my dad and I have had very few conversations about it. It's an issue for him. But it, I, I spend four out of my five days a week working in inner city schools with kids who are gangbangers. <laughs> so, you know, and all of them have you know difficulties. I mean, they're not straight A students. Uh, they're not. Um, most of them are diagnosable. They're not coming from an unblemished past. I mean, they they have problems which have led them into bigger problems. And I certainly have a way of understanding that because I have been there. Um, you know, and one of my greatest assets is I never lecture anybody, nor do I ever get angry at people. So I'm always able to maintain solid relationships because of that. And that's probably my greatest technique is to just be very extremely validating. You know what? That is such a great skill. It really is. That is really a great skill. Well, here's a question that I have for you. If you, I want to go back to when you were talking about the karate. If you have a disability... Um, such as if you're in a wheelchair, would you be able to learn any martial arts? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, in New Jersey, there's a uh, very well-known master, and um, he is wheelchair-bound, and I think he's a seventh-degree black belt, and um, he is uh, quadriplegic, and people respect him just like they respect the guy that can, you know, jump in the air and do... Tomahawk flips through boards. I mean, he knows the culture. He is knowledgeable of the moves. He can teach the class verbally. And, and truly, the martial arts is really a culture that you dedicate your life to. It's not about breaking, you know, three-quarter inch pine shelving. Um, I just sent Joyce two, two of my students to the Nationals in Atlantic City uh, approximately about five or six weeks ago to compete against a number of different countries and um, both students are special needs. And my one student took first in the country, and my other student took second in the country. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, you know, and, it, and it's touching because, really, those are Oprah specials that you'll never see. Uh, you know, they're, they're, it's a magnificent experience. My first, thing, <laughs> my first bit of advice when we get there is if you don't win anything, don't freak out. Like, let's, let's not throw our headgear down and walk out angry. You know, we handle this respectfully. We feel disappointed. We shake everyone's hand. And when we get outside, we can we can scream in the car. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, to have them walking out with six-foot trophies or, you know, national rankings, and uh, it's, it's exciting. Well, you know why I wanted to bring that up? You may be listening to this show today, and you may have a child with epilepsy like me uh, or an amputee, a child with an amputee, or a child in a wheelchair. I don't care what it is or a child who is deaf or blind, this really is a great way to get help. And uh, a question we have here is if the child is interested in learning karate, how do they get in touch with you? 
Um, on my website, there's a phone number. It's 609-261-1022. I uh, just recently bought a three-bay firehouse in New Jersey, and I'm converting it into a uh, full-time social skills, special needs martial arts studio. And, uh, and that concludes a number of different things, you know, parent programs and trainings and things of that nature. But um, my specialty in martial arts is with special needs students. And, and unfortunately, not to badmouth this, the, uh, the, the martial art industry, but it's become so commercialized, Joyce. I mean, you, you know, they have guys that, you know, guarantee that you're going to get your black belt in three years or, you know, they're, they're promoting nothing but tournaments and everything's about winning a trophy. And just like you asked me about a student in a wheelchair, I've had students, you know, 100% blind. Um, you know, I've had one student who's halfway to his black belt. He has a feeding tube uh, with a genetic Jewish disease called familial dysautonomia, where if he runs more than two or three minutes consistently, his heart rate can uh, drop to the point where he can die. You know, and all of his belts and all of his rewards in my karate have been based on not only just knowing the karate stuff, but the greater part of it was really advocating for himself in the karate studio about how many push-ups he can do and when he's feeling fatigued and knowing to go over to get drops in his eyes because he never developed tear ducts and things of that nature because that's the life skill that he needs. And people who can do that through a martial art uh, culture are developing these children into quality martial art individuals. I've never had a black belt in my karate studio ever get their black belt less than five and a half, six years. I mean, never. I have one student just got his black belt and took him 12 years. You know, but he's great, and he knows how to teach, and he can speak the Korean language, and he's, you know, the kids love him, and he's, and he's still young. He's a college student. I've had him since he was a little guy, and now he's six foot two. I mean, it's, that's really what... You know this 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 culture is about, and um, you know as these parents are shopping around, they got to make sure they're not just going to the local retail strip center to see what kind of belts they get and how fast a kid can get a black belt. I mean, you really have to watch the instructors and see how they communicate with the kids and and find out if it's you know cultural or commercial. I mean, there's a big difference between the two. I mean, I think this is so great because a lot of children with disabilities have low self-esteem because we have been bullied through school or we have had people lower the bar, sometimes, unfortunately, including our own family. So now here I'm really big about no pity. I'm big about no pity and I'm big, really big about being independent. What a great way to build self-esteem. If you're listening to the show, just so you understand, if you have a child with a disability or if you are a person with a disability, here's something you haven't probably thought about before. Before we go to break, Dr. Buzz, what is your website? www.callbuzz.com. Callbuzz.com. Easy to remember. And with that, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be right back to talk more to our guest today, Dr. Buzz Mengen. Don't go away because we're coming right back. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice on Disability Matters. We'll be back. Oh, no. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. You see how fast this show went? We'll have to have Dr. Buzz back on. I have to tell you something I did not mention. Remember I said this man does it all? I forgot to tell you he was preseason with the New York Giants. National Football League. And by the way, Dr. Buzz, I have to tell you that Alan Fanica, who, as you know, was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but now is with the New York Jets. Sure. A friend of mine who was in those four Pro Bowls helps me nationally and in Pittsburgh, but especially nationally with the National Epilepsy Foundation. because wow. he Because he has epilepsy, and so does his daughter, and he has disclosed that. In addition... Samari Roll of the Baltimore Ravens also is helping us. But I want to tell you, since you mentioned the Giants, Jeffrey Pope, great young man that plays for the Giants. His grandmother has epilepsy, so he also dedicates time to Wow. Him. Well, you're privileged. That's, that's fantastic. I am. I'm very blessed by great people in my life. I really well, great am. people attract great people, Joyce. Well, let me just say, and you're another person I'm blessed with to know. So, I, I mean, that is that. so great, all those things that you have accomplished. is just unbelievable. And um, I, I just think this is so great for young people with disabilities. Before I ask you one other question. Sure. Leaving martial arts, just one thing. What is social skills karate? Um, it, it's a, it, I use karate as a vehicle to teach the necessary social skills to children and adolescents starting at two years old, believe it or not, uh, with, with disabilities that would make them behaviorally and socially appropriate among their peers. Uh, it could be impulse control. It could be recognizing social nuances. It could be learning how to delay gratification, how to you know, make friends, how to keep friends, how to keep eye contact, how to ask for directions, how to accept criticism. And karate has always been a fantastic vehicle for me to be able to accomplish those goals. I mean, the karate and the competitions really mean very little to me, although I, have, I could go on for years about how many of my students became national champions and this and that, but all of them with disabilities. But it's just a neat 
concept that I started back in 1991 with um, teaching these very specific social tools uh, with using martial arts as my vehicle to get there. That is fantastic. Now, like you have, must have unlimited energy because you have also published several books, such as Decisions, Decisions, and The Adventures of Buzz the Bookworm. Remember now, this from a man that said he was flunking out of school. Right. And these are only two of the many, many books that he has out. I have a question. If anyone uh, listening to the show today or any schools would want to purchase any of these books, how do they do that? The best thing to do would be to call my office. I have uh, the website Call Buzz is a podcast website that is going to have a ton of blogs on it starting this as we're into the summer starting the summer uh where you know i give descriptions of what parents can do in the home and you know and different ideas about assisting others etc free by the way i mean they can just go on there and download uh and there'll be a store on there at september 1 offering all the books and related materials and things of that nature. So if they want to get on the mailing list or they want to, you know, put their name in to get something or make sure they get something uh, when the store opens, um, they can certainly call and leave a message on the answer machine. And I always have people to call right back. So we're very good about following through. And I certainly appreciate any attention that, uh, you know, that I get from anybody who's listening and would need anything to improve the welfare of their life or, or their child's life. Well, and I'm sure, I mean, this would be great also for school, school districts. Yeah, I consult for tons of school districts in New Jersey. I'm uh, right now in Cape May, and then, um, you know, and then tomorrow I'll be up in Jersey City, and I do Asbury Park and everything in between. And, Joyce, I met your crew over in Delaware, and I was fortunate to cross over that big bridge. And, um, you know, in the public schools, I'm using my materials all the time. That's why I developed these different products. And, um, you know, and then I certainly had a lot of people calling and asking, you know, hey, listen, can we get some of these things? So, we, we you know, I, I re-edited everything, and I brought a psychiatrist colleague of mine named Dr. Leon Rosenberg, who is a Harvard graduate, and he's a super bright guy. And so he helped me re-edit all my materials, and we are just wrapping up. As a matter of fact, we're meeting tonight. We're just wrapping up a book. Uh, called the Parent Menu, and it's ten steps to treating ADHD or properly supporting ADHD, and it's awesome. It just gives you do the ten steps, you go from start to finish to have your child well managed and better educated, and how to be an advocate, and you know, and, and, and we have more products we're looking to put together. You know, it's just carving out more hours in the day. That is awesome. That is. Now I want to tell you. Uh, Dr. Buzz, I really want to commend you for these great things you're doing. I, I just can see how many ways you can help us in the disability community. Um, but before we go, I always ask every single guest for the past four years, whether it's been the President of the United States, Sister, uh, author Jeffrey Deaver, or Alan Fanica, now of the New York Jets, what, what have you done? You have done you have done so much. You have done so many great things. But what have you done that you would say is your proudest accomplishment? Wow. I have an easy answer for that. Um, but I would, I would tell you the, the repertoire and list and menu of things that I've done, it really is it's many, and it's, it all comes with hard work and good support. 
and um, and I'm certainly appreciative to all those people that have always helped me, Mom, Dad, Dr. Faris, and all my other colleagues and friends. But I think my greatest accomplishment at 40 years old, which is what I am today, you know, in, in this year, and is really being a great husband and a great dad. Well, you I, know what? I, awesome. I, I have used every tool that I would ever preach to another parent uh, or husband <laughs> or spouse and make sure I live by all the rules that I am teaching. And uh, I have a wonderful wife. I have a wonderful family. My two boys are absolutely awesome. Uh, they would probably consider me strict, uh, but I'm validating. I'm just very structured and very consistent. Um, but I, I really believe without my wife that I definitely wouldn't be what, I'm, what I am today and doing what I'm doing today because behind every great man is an organized woman, and she is exactly that. And, uh, but I think that that's what I'm probably best at is being a great dad and a great husband. No surprise to me. You know what? Let's send a special greeting to them. What's your wife's first name? My wife's name is Michelle. Michelle, and how about your two kids? Jake and Jordan. Jake and Jordan and Michelle. Well, we at Voice America send out a special greeting to you also because you know what? It really does take a family. Yeah. To accomplish anything in life. Okay, so Dr. Buzz, to all the people that will be hearing this, first, here, then throughout the world, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I, I realize that every parent has, you know, certain expectations for their child, and uh, we always have to make sure that we make those adjustments so the expectations are realistic, and the sky typically is the limit. But I would tell you, you know, for me, I was, you know, scouted into playing football, you know, and even though I didn't make the team, I went into minor league football and I played there uh, for eight years and was with a couple, trying out with a couple other teams and, you know, going to college and getting degrees and, you know, I have a couple black belts in martial arts and things like that. I would tell you that if we could ever empower any disabled child, any certain qualities, the qualities would be as follows. Number one, have trust and communication with their parents, uh, and that could be caregiver or guardian, whoever they supports them and supervises them. Number two would be to help the, 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 uh, develop confidence in each child by constantly telling them what it is that they're good at before you tell them what it is that they're not good at, and spending more time telling them what to do versus what not to do. I would tell you the next quality that's extremely impressive would be to teach children how to advocate for themselves. And I think that that's a critical component for any child who is soon to become an adult with a disability so that other people who are circled around them understand them. And I think ultimately, you know, the most important thing that we can do overall is remember that we have to function as a family. Um, you know, not all children are going to be privileged to have a family, um, but we can certainly support children with the idea that we can generate enough love and supporting these kids to make them feel like they're part of a family. And these and you know what? You know what? That is what it is all about, Doctor Buzz. Thank you so much for joining us today. I end the show with a quote from a famous leader in America. And today, guess who it is? It's Miss Debbie Scott. <laughs> the famous. 
the famous Debbie Scott, who says to young people with disabilities in school, what you do with your life now is the key to your future. And here's what it is, what it is with Dr. Buzz Mingan. Joyce, thanks Thank for having you. me on today. I appreciate oh, it. And Dr. Buzz, hear it from me. We're having you back. And I, make sure you all go to his website. What is it again, Dr. Buzz? www.callbuzz.com. You heard it. Make sure you go to it. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.